Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is one of those chapters of the Bible you should always have in your memory, where it is one of the uh, largest passages about resurrection. And so when in doubt, you can always start there. It's one of those chapters you should just always have in your mind. And I want to turn there today because of the relationship that often exists between the narrative parts of the Bible and the epistles or the letters in the New Testament. That oftentimes there is a relationship where we are, where we take what is described in the narratives, in the Gospels, and the writers of the epistles, and Paul here today in 1 Corinthians, explains to us what was going on, what was accomplished in those events. And again, as we celebrate something that we celebrate every year, it is easy for us to fall into that trap of, yes, yes, I know the story, yes, yes, I know what this means. But how does the resurrection of Jesus change your life today? To help us understand this passage and how it helps us understand Easter, I want to take you back to my time in seminary. I was in a systematics class, systematic theology too, and one of our professors, he was famous for his assignments are really the lack thereof. Your grade was on two papers, one short paper and one long paper. That was it. And at the beginning of the semester, he gave you a list of topics. And one of those topics, one that I wrote one of my papers on, was this. What is lost if Jesus is not human? And he had another one that was the opposite of that. What is lost if Jesus is not divine? It's a different way to approach our belief. Instead of asking us to write a paper of why was it good that Jesus was divine or why did it make it work that Jesus was human, he asked it in a negative way. What is lost? And Paul uses that in 1 Corinthians to help us understand the resurrection. He's going to ask a similar question. What is lost if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead? It's a different way to think about it. And I think it's a helpful way, again, especially as we come to a familiar part of our faith. What if the resurrection is just a made-up story that is meant to help people, a crutch to help people through their lives? What if the resurrection never happened? And what we're going to see this morning is that without the resurrection, the house of our salvation falls apart. And we're going to see how central the resurrection is to our faith and our hope. 
So as we look at what is lost, if the resurrection never happened, it'll help us celebrate the hope in Christ in salvation that we have because the resurrection truly did happen. So let's begin by looking at a little bit of the context here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to begin by reading verses 3 to 8 to help us come into the context of the meat of our passage. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Paul begins this chapter by talking about what is first importance. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? And in familiar verses, in verses 3 to 4, all of our Awana kids should be on the same page with me on this one. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The good news, the gospel, is that God sent Jesus to live a perfect life on earth, and because he was both truly God and truly man, he could die for our sins. As a man, he could be our substitute And as God, he could pay for our sins through his sacrificial death. But not only did Jesus die, he was raised on the third day. And in one sense, we can think of this as the resurrection of Jesus finished his saving work for us begun on the cross. Paul then goes to speak of all who witnessed the risen Jesus. So in verse 5, he says that Cephas, that's Peter, And then to all the twelve. Verse 6, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Paul tells the Corinthians that most of whom, most of that 500 are still alive. This idea that the original readers of this letter could go and find real eyewitness uh, people to the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 7, he appeared to James, the brother of Jesus, then to all the apostles. And finally, as he builds evidence upon evidence, he appeared to Paul on the Damascus road. And if that were enough evidence, we're told that this was done in accordance with the scriptures, where the Bible supports that this was going to happen. According to God's plan, the resurrection of Jesus had many eyewitnesses, and was according to the Holy Scriptures. But why does he do this? Why does he list all of these people who can testify to the truth of the resurrection? What's so important about the resurrection? And that's where Paul comes in, beginning at verse 12. And he's going to use an argument to say, here's why it's so important. Because let's imagine a world where it didn't happen. So let's look, verses 12. 
Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. I wanted you to feel the weight of all of the things that break down if the resurrection did not happen. And I want to work through those individually to help you understand how essential the resurrection is for our faith. The first thing I want you to see is that if the resurrection did not happen, our preaching and our faith is worthless. Look at verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Now, when you see the word vain in your Bibles, we, we don't really talk like that anymore. See, see the word worthless. Okay, So he's saying if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is worthless and your faith is worthless. He comes back to that in verse 17 and he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Paul is saying that all of our work of preaching is worthless if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. And that faith in Jesus is worthless if he did not rise from the dead. One of the reasons I highlight this is because it is abundantly clear how essential the resurrection is to our salvation, to our hope in Christ. Because Paul is saying here that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we should all just go home. Why? First reason, verse 15 that if the resurrection didn't happen, one of the reasons our preaching is worthless is we'd be lying about God. Look at verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ. The first reason that Paul gives us to why the resurrection matters for faith and preaching is that if Christ has not been raised and Christians preach about it and say this is what God says... If we're lying, then we're found to be misrepresenting God. And there are very few things that, you, that are worse than misrepresenting the God of the universe. And on one level, it's pretty simple. That if we say Christ has been raised and he wasn't, then we're just lying. And again, what are we doing here if we're lying? Why would we commit ourselves to this if it were just a bunch of? of lies. 
Christian preaching and belief must include the truth that Jesus truly rose from the dead. The next reason is more of a theological reason. Look at verse 17 with me. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. The resurrection is essential to our salvation. Because without the resurrection, our faith is worthless because we're still sinners separated from a holy God. Again, 17, your faith is futile. Your faith in Jesus is worthless if his death and he did not if he did not resurrect your faith is worthless because he didn't save you you're still in your sins and you're still separated from a holy god it is only through the death and resurrection of jesus that we are forgiven of our sins paul writes similarly in the book of romans jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we are not forgiven of our sins. And if we're not forgiven of our sins, what are we doing here? Lastly, in this section of the chapter, if Jesus has not been raised, then there is no eternal life. Look at verses 18 and 19. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In addition to still being in our sins without the resurrection, without the resurrection there is no hope of eternal life. In fact, as he says in verse 18, that those who have fallen asleep, that's a euphemism for death, that those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if there's no resurrection from the dead. And if there's no resurrection from the dead, if those who have died in Christ have perished, then there is only hope in this life only. In verse 19, if we only have hope in this life, then we are of all people most to be pitied. If there is no hope of eternal life, if there is no hope of resurrection, if this life is it, what are we doing here? This is all pretty worthless as this is it. Again, you see all that crumbles of our faith if there is no resurrection from the dead. I want you again to feel the weight of all that is lost if Jesus did not rise from the dead on Easter. If Jesus has not been raised, then we are dead in our sins before a holy God deserving of his judgment, and we have no hope, and any faith we have is worthless. Feel the weight of unforgiven sin, the weight of judgment, and the weight of a complete lack of hope. But thankfully, this is not the end of the story. If that was the story, then we wouldn't be singing the celebratory songs we just sang. 
The turn comes in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul has helped us to see the gospel from a different angle. He says, look at all we lose. We lose everything if Jesus has not risen from the dead. But verse 20 shows us that in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. So now I want to go back through and I want to give you the reversal of all that was lost. And you can see this throughout the rest of the chapter. So if there wasn't a resurrection, he says our faith is worthless. But in verse 20 he says there is a resurrection. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So since the resurrection is true, faith in Jesus saves. It's not worthless. It is worth everything. We see this in verses 22 and 23. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Through faith we are in Christ. And when we are in Christ, we are made alive. We are no longer dead to our sins. He says those who belong to Christ. Again, we belong through faith. Since Jesus died and rose again, all who believe in him will be saved. Faith is not worthless. Faith is not futile. Faith is worth everything. Secondly, and this doesn't explicitly come back in the rest of the chapter, but it is true. If, if the resurrection ever happened, we're lying about God. Well, but if the resurrection happened, if the resurrection is true, then we are God's messengers to this world. Since Jesus has been raised, when we preach about how he died and rose again so that all who believe could be saved... We are being God's true messengers. Part of the good news of Easter that we must not forget that is included in 1 Corinthians 15 is that we are a preaching people. Christian preaching is not just on Sunday morning. All of us can testify to the truth that Jesus died and rose again to save sinners. So you are not lying to God. Or lying about God. But God has placed you as his messenger of the truth to the truth of the resurrection. And he's placed you in your family, your neighborhood, your job, your community. Not to lie about God. But to speak the truth to a dying world. All of us are to proclaim God's truth that Jesus rose from the dead to save us. Thirdly, as we said, if the resurrection never happened, we are still in our sins. Therefore, since Christ has been raised from the dead, 
those who believe are forgiven. Since Jesus did rise again, all who repent and trust in him are forgiven of all their sins. We see this again in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. We see similar language used by Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 5, Paul says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, in, excuse me, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We also see this at the end of the chapter when it talks about us having victory over sin through Christ. Verses 56 and 57, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection, all who believe in Jesus are no longer under the power of sin. Because of the resurrection, we who were once dead in our sins have now been made alive in Christ. If you believe in Jesus because he died and rose again, you are forgiven. And finally, we see that we have eternal life. This is by far the largest emphasis of this chapter. Again, I'm not going to cover everything today. I would really encourage you either tonight or this week to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, but I want to highlight a few parts of this. Again, going back to earlier, if without a resurrection we have no hope, Paul makes it clear here that we have confident hope in Christ because the resurrection happened. We have the guaranteed promise of resurrection from the dead. When we die or when the Lord returns, we will experience resurrection like Jesus, resurrection to eternal life. Look specifically at verses 20 to 23. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and at his coming those who belong to Christ. This idea of firstfruits. The picture is because Jesus did it first, all who belong to him will follow and have the same resurrection experience. The fact that Christ resurrected means that all followers of Jesus will also be resurrected. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our resurrection. Jesus rising from the dead is proof that we will too. Secondly, language used here of the perishable will be raised imperishable. Look at verses 51 to 55 with me. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, 
and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? These verses utilize comparison and contrast between what is perishable and imperishable. This is helpful to us because imperishable tells us that our future hope is eternal. Our hope is not just in this life that things might get a little better in the future. This is not five more minutes of video game hope. Our hope is eternal. But also our hope is perfect. Our hope cannot be spoiled. Our hope is the death of death. Our hope is that we will be imperishable and we will not face the pain of this world. As John wrote at the end of Revelation, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Since Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead, we have complete and eternal hope. This Easter, as we remember that Jesus really did rise from the dead, we cry out to Paul in the words of verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of thoughts to close up this morning. Number one, the hope of the resurrection is real and certain. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, all who believe in him have the guaranteed hope of eternal life. All followers of Jesus will follow him in resurrection. Not might, but will. Secondly, we need to hold fast to the truth of the gospel. One of the actions of this passage is to cling to the truth of the gospel. I want to read to you from the beginning of this chapter in verses 15, 1 to 2. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. What does it mean for you to hold fast to the gospel? Maybe for you this is the first time. And I want you to hear this clearly on this Easter Sunday. Jesus died and rose again so that all who believe in him will be forgiven of their sins, reconciled to God, and have the hope of eternal life. One of the messages of Easter for you this morning is to personally believe that. Is to say, I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. And that I could be forgiven of all my sins. Reconciled to the holy God who created me. 
and have the guaranteed hope of eternal life. Believe it and hold fast to that today. For those who have already placed their trust in Christ, you need to hold fast to that every day. Because everything in this world wants your trust and your hope. I want to read again from that second verse of 1 Corinthians 15. And by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. There are so many things out in our world that offer hope, that want your trust, that want to steal that trust away from Jesus. But there is nothing that can give you hope. Jesus died and rose again. He is the only one to trust so that we would be saved and have eternal life. And thirdly, every believer is a gospel preacher. Without the resurrection, preaching is worthless. If the resurrection is not true, I am lying about the God of the universe. But the resurrection is true. And that means we are preachers and proclaimers of God's saving truth, the only saving truth. We are called to testify to those around us of the truth of the gospel. Since Jesus has, in fact, been raised from the dead, we are all called to represent God to this world as his messengers. As we celebrate the greatness of that good news, may God empower us by his Spirit to preach that good news to a world without hope. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the resurrection. As we feel the weight of all that is lost if the resurrection did not happen, that we would rest in the truth that you did, in fact, raise Jesus from the dead. And so that all who believe in him will be forgiven of their sins, reconciled to you, and have the guaranteed hope of eternal life. That we would cry out with Paul, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.